Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to this episode of the Battle to Be podcast. And tonight I have with me Chelsea Cardinal, and she is, I don't even know where to begin with her because she is so many amazing things. Uh, she is a police wife. She is a mother of an adorable little four-year-old. <laughs> she is an independent business owner, and she is also a survivor of a really complicated, really long um, trauma story, and she has taken what she has experienced and what she has gone through and turned that around into telling her story so that she can use that to help other people who are in similar situations to move forward to understand that they're not alone and to just know that they're supported. So please welcome Chelsea. And <laughs> let's just start by just tell us a little bit about your life now and who you are and what you do for fun and let us get to know you a little. Um, I don't even know where to start. I love to do anything crafty. Um, I'm a cake decorator um, and specialty treats. Um, I love doing anything that has to do with art, um, music, uh, I love to be outdoors. Um, dirt therapy is my thing. Um, plants have helped me overcome a lot of the issues that I had, um, trying to get through my trauma and heal myself. And I found an outlet in my gardening. Um, I love to spend time with my son who is sitting next to me and will probably interrupt us 30 times throughout the rest of this time. But, um, that's about it. I love <laughs> to take care of my family and help other people. Um, yeah. <laughs> yes, I got to I got to meet the little one a few minutes ago, <laughs> and he cannot be any cuter. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see how many times he interrupts us. <laughs> right. So typically on this show, we like to open with it. Tell us a little bit about your experiences, about your trauma, and the parts where the things that you've been through so that other people have the opportunity to relate and you don't have to get super detailed, just share what, whatever you feel like. <laughs> um, when I was 15, um, I started a job um, and I met a young adult man who um, quickly I became infatuated with and um, he Basically, at the time, I didn't know um, what grooming was or anything about what was happening to me. Um, but over the course of three years, um, he groomed me. Um, he sexually assaulted me and took my virginity. Um, he abused me physically and emotionally and mentally. And when he couldn't control me, he would hurt other people and other things and even himself to regain control over me um and uh it took me a very long time to be able to get away from him safely um and um <clears throat> when I did get away I started telling my story more and more to more people and he started finding out that I was telling my story to people and um 
decided that he was going to come in behind me and gaslight me and discredit everything that I say and turn it around and blame me, the victim. Um, classic, you know, victim blaming. Oh, she's crazy. She, um, she was the one that was obsessed with me. She's stalking me. Meanwhile, I quit going to college where I was going to college here and moved to another state and totally started a new career path and went to a new college that had nothing to do with what I was in here just to get away from him. But I'm the crazy stalker. Um, and over the course of the next couple years, he continued to stalk me and he would find out where I was going or who I was, be, who I had befriended. And he would try to discredit me to them and weasel his way into their lives, um, and discredit me that way. Um, and then, um, ended up totally cutting off all communication with him. Um, when I met my husband, um, probably cause he was scared of him, <laughs> but, um, he was in the Marines, um, and I, we got married and I moved to North Carolina and he kind of backed off a little bit. Um, little did I know that he was, um, finding other women on the internet, um, uh, to groom and bring to Ohio from wherever they lived in the country, um, to basically do the same thing to them that he's done to me. And, um, in the beginning of this year, um, someone had reached out to me saying that a person from California who had heard a story similar to mine, um, involving my, uh, abuser, uh, that she wanted to reach out to me and speak to me about my story. So I reached out and, um, we talked for a little while and she told me that there was a, an entire string of women that he had women, not women, young women, girls who he had um, sexually assaulted and groomed and abused over the years. Um, and he's still doing it to this day. Um, so that's basically where we are now. Um, I've come a long way since then. Um, I've been through every range of emotions that you can on the trauma spectrum, uh, self-loathing, um, self-sabotaging, feeling like I was not good enough and that I deserved what happened to me. Um, and the more and more people that he convinced that I was a liar, the more defeated I felt. And for a very long time, I felt like nobody cared what I went through. The world just kept going on and here I am still struggling with something while he's off gallivanting around with other children that he's meeting through his connections on social media with his large following of social media followers. Um, while I'm stuck here, the one that's still hurting and he's not hurting and this, how, why is this fair? Um, so then I met Krista and I, we started talking and I have totally changed my life since meeting her um that's basically where we are now chelsea went through my program but chelsea is one of the people that i would say before she met me she had already been doing she had already been doing this work for a good many years mm -hmm, yeah about a decade a little over a decade 
yeah, learning to love herself, learning to recognize her own value. And I feel like she came to me at the end of her journey just to kind of put the final pieces together. So uh, you were already almost there. <laughs> I don't know about that. But. It's, it's always a continuing journey. Healing goes on forever and it's yeah. not a linear pathway. So there's always going to be times when we feel stronger and times when we feel resurgences of the pain and anytime because your situation is still alive like mm -hmm. you're still seeing this impact other people and you're still in connection with people who have been impacted with it and you're supporting other women and she has a facebook uh group for women who are in this situation so it's in your face all the time so you can't totally get past it because you're constantly reliving it so tell us a little bit about starting the, the Facebook group and what inspired you to do that. And um, I have a very good friend who is from my area who um, went through something similar, not with the same person, but something similar. Um, and I come to happen. Oh, hey, baby. I told Hang on, I'm sorry. Okay. okay, I'm talking. Right. You watch your videos about animals, okay? <laughs> Something about predators. I don't know. Anyway, um, she has always wanted to speak out um, about what happened to her because not a lot of people knew. Um, and she never felt like she had an outlet to get those things off of her chest. And she had come to me and said, please, will you please start a group for a private group for people who can just say whatever they need to say without someone feeling like somebody's going to judge them. I thought about it for a little while. Um, I was kind of not really sure how I was feeling about that, but um, I needed a place for, to let go of my trauma. And um, I had access to a lot of support um, after it was over with, even though I had a lot of people that didn't believe me, I also had a lot of people that supported me. Um, so I thought, you know what, why not? Let's start this. So I started and she was able to come out and tell her story, um, without feeling like somebody that knows her abuser was going to go and tell her abuser or the family of her abuser and start more drama that she didn't want to have happen. Um, and I think that's very important for people to have somewhere safe that they feel like they can just wake up and say, I'm having a bad day. Um, I don't know why I'm having a bad day, but here's what's going on. And for other people to say, I've been there. Listen, it's normal. It's fine. Just push through it. We're here to help you however you need. And I think um, it's very important to have that. So that's kind of why I started it. You're, you're what we call one of, an unwilling, <laughs> you're an unwilling hero. Like yeah. people, when there's a need, people step up and mm -hmm. fill that need. Like they always say there's different kinds of leaders and different kinds of leadership formulas and all that stuff. Well, they always forget to talk about the amazing leaders who don't step up until something, somebody actually needs them and they step up and they do what needs to be done. And then they step out of the limelight. They're like, you know, I don't want 
I don't yeah. want the credit. I don't want everyone yeah. talking about me and saving them. I just want to help. Yeah. But something needs to be done. Somebody needs to do it. So here I am. Yeah. And those those people fill this world, this this trauma world. And that's why I work with the people that I work with because those are the unsung heroes. <laughs> you know, I'm like, they step in, do what they need to do, and then they get left behind. So it's like, who's there to, to support them when yeah. they need it? So that is why I love you so much because <laughs> you're the person who comes in and just says, there's a need. I don't really want to be the person to fill it, but okay, here I am. And you yeah. do what needs to be done. And people love you. Your people, you have helped so many people. And I've seen some of the comments. Um, I follow Chelsea on social media. So I've seen just so many comments from people that are like, thank you so much for telling your story. Thank you so much for being so vulnerable. You know, just thanks for putting it out there. I don't feel so alone now. And sometimes when we start telling our story and we start getting the negative comments, the feedback that you were talking about where people are like, they don't believe you. Why mm -hmm. didn't you say something? Why didn't you do yeah. something? And they're like, well, no one forced you to stay. Like you get all these comments and you can't help but think that some of them might have some truth to them. So then you start mm -hmm. taking all this on, but you have, you have come to the place where you you look at that and you go, okay, that's a person's opinion. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. And if they don't believe what you've been through, then they can go kick rocks, basically. Not that I want to say that about anybody in the world because I love everybody. But, you know, to discredit someone because you don't understand what they've been through and you haven't been through it yourself kind of a crappy thing to do so right oh my goodness <laughs> so also you are a police officer's wife yes so what is that like supporting supporting an officer it hasn't been easy but our whole relationship hasn't been easy um shortly after we started dating he went on a 314 day deployment on a mu um so it's kind of been hard from the beginning. So I don't really, I don't know. It, it can be challenging sometimes. I find that being a police wife is a lot harder than being a military wife. Um, simply because every day when you're in the military, you're not going into total harm's way. As a police officer, you don't know what you're getting into. Um, so that's been more challenging for me uh, as a wife to know that my husband is going to walk out that door and might not come back. Um, it was different when he was in the military because I knew he was only unsafe when he was overseas or in that as, you know, in that aspect. But now he's the only one out when he works. So he's, it's a little bit harder because he, he's the only officer at his department on the road um, at all. So I worry a lot, but um, I think the military kind of prepared me to be a police wife, I guess. So it's not as hard as some people have, you know, when they see their husband leave, they're like, oh, no, 
I'm I'm just going to go to bed because he's gone. And when I wake up in the morning, he it should be time for him to come home. And if he's not home by 730, I'm going to panic. But until then, I'm going to go to sleep. So that's how I handle it. <laughs> that's awesome. So you actually, you have had the experience of being a military wife and a police wife. Yes. That's, that's commendable. Yeah. It's hard when your husband's gone. It, my husband right now, he used to be a firefighter and he used to go through all of, you know, all of that danger stuff. But now he's a long haul truck driver. So now he's just gone all the time, but I don't have to worry about those kinds of things. Um, I think we get conditioned to worry anyway, but, yes. <laughs> yes. but even when you think you don't. Gone. Even when you think you don't have to worry, um, something happens and it slaps you in the face like, hey, you do have to worry. Um, <laughs> my husband's department is very small um, and like nothing really ever happens there. And when he was out of the academy and he was trying to decide where he was going to take a job, my mom and I are like, oh, yeah, take this job here. It's so safe. There's nothing ever that happens. And within the first six months, he was the first person to be shot at in 60 years um, at this department. And I'm about to go to bed and I get a phone call. And he says, "Um, in case any of your friends hear it over the the scanner, I don't want anyone to call you and tell you I'm okay. I have been involved in a shooting, but I'm okay. And I'm like, what? (laughs) What's happening? I thought you were safe here. So... You never know what's going to happen, but it is very scary to um, have to worry about your loved one leaving and not coming home, especially in today's climate with um, all the things centered around law enforcement. Um, It can be worrying, but I try not to focus on it because then I would just drive myself absolutely crazy. So, Yeah, I've talked recently to a lot of people who are noticing the shift makes them nervous that the shift in, in public perception and um, the feeling that they're being disrespected and yeah, like they don't just don't know. They don't know if when they pull someone over, they are at risk or not. Like there's, there's just the automatic presumption. They have no choice, but to presume that they're in danger at all times when they have to come face to face with anyone because it's happening. Yeah. I mean, we have this shift where, okay, they're getting, they're literally being shot in their cars when they don't even know that anyone's around. So, of exactly. course, you know, exactly. of course, they're going to be a little more on edge. So, it's just going to be a cycle of yep. more nervous, people are disrespectful, more things are going to happen. There's the an, an inevitable downslide in everyone's morale and safety. And it's just, yeah, it's, it's challenging and everybody's looking for answers, but hopefully we can come up with a way to uh, just make everyone feel more safe again. Absolutely. That would be, that would be key. Right. (laughs) Mental health is key to everything. Absolutely. Every side of the whole. I couldn't agree more because (laughs) 10 years ago, my mental health was not well. And my whole life was falling apart. Um, but now that my mental health is much better, things are much better in my life and things are much smoother. So I can totally attest to that. Mental health is key. 
I still like the conversation is just mental health maintenance. That's, mm-hmm. that's the term I'm trying to get people to understand. Yes, that absolutely. mental health is not just a conversation when you're struggling. Absolutely. Maintenance, if you learn how to breathe and you learn how to be present in the moment and you learn how to de-stress yourself, there are tools and resources you can have in your body practiced and rehearsed to the point that when something bad happens, when something goes wrong, you're ready with them immediately and your body doesn't freak out. Your nervous yeah. system doesn't freak out. So you have that ability to pre-train your mental health, you know, resources. So, yeah. oh my gosh, I would just wish that everyone was not so afraid of that term. Like, I know. Well, your program that I went through was taught me tremendously how to do just that. When I get in a situation where I feel like my anxiety and my PTSD is going to be through the roof, I can center myself and use one of the tools that you have given me in my toolbox to calm myself down and, and make my, my meltdown from a level 10 to a level two or a level zero um, instead of just automatically jumping to that level 10 right off the bat when things hit the fan. Right. That's, that's really what it's about. That's really what, what all of this is about is regaining control so that you can logically handle the situation that's, that's coming at you. Um, That's my, like, that's my theory is that if everybody had the tools and resources to just know how to handle it, it wouldn't be, what it is like people blow ups that they have the world might be a little safer place if that were to occur for everyone how do we make that happen i don't know (laughs) if you if you figure it out i'm on board to help like right i think we have to start teaching it in grade school that's a good idea it really is yeah i mean i teach my four-year-old to do like breathing and when he starts to feel like he's spinning out of control and I can tell he's spinning out of control. We use some of the tools that you have given me to calm him down. And I'm hoping that that will instill in him a a better variety of things to combat the world when he gets older, instead of just jumping into it. Like I did, like what in the hell is this even what is happening? Um, And how do I deal with this? Hopefully he'll have a little bit of a better foothold than I did, I guess. <laughs> prepared. Yeah. So is there any, any plans in the future for a, for a book or. I don't know. Everybody keeps telling me I should write a book or start a blog, but I guess that's a fear that I have to get over of the naysayers and the people who are going to say, well, why didn't you just, Whatever. Why didn't you just call the police or why didn't you just tell your parents? You don't think my parents knew that he was abusing me and you don't think they tried to help me and he didn't like threaten to break in my house and slit their throats. And at 16, you're like, oh, my God, please don't do that to my parents. They're the only ones that take care of me. And if they die because you're crazy, I'm stuck with you forever. So I'm just going to do what you say. Uh, So I think maybe once I feel more confident that I can just tell all of the people that have something negative say it to go kick rocks. Um, I will maybe write a book or 
you know, publish a journal or start a blog or something to share my experiences. But I don't know. <laughs> I feel like nobody's going to let you off the hook. I think <laughs> probably not. I, so many people tell me you should write a book or why haven't you posted anything about, um, advocating for sexual assault and domestic violence. I'm like, I don't know. Cause I figured people were probably tired of listening to me talk about it. Like there's set Chelsea again on her soaps, you know, soapbox talking about not getting raped at 16. <laughs> and they're like, here she goes again. But I, I do have a lot of people who um, really like to hear what I have to say. So I'm probably not going to get let off the hook for that one. <laughs> No. And I think it's really important to remember, even when we're not, I'm, I'm very conservative person behind closed doors, but those of us who have a voice and those of us who have discovered how to speak, we can't stop. I know. Because, because no, there's a few people doing it, but not enough people are doing it. And if we look at the statistics about how many women are sexually assaulted, the, the sheer fact that most of them, 99% of them are silent mm -hmm. and they're re repeating the patterns. They're going right back into it over and over and over again. So they're not hearing the message. They're not feeling safe. They're not feeling heard. They're not feeling understood. They're not feeling like they have anywhere to go. Uh, those of us who can speak just like, I feel the same way. Like, I'm just constantly shouting from the rooftops. Like, hey, it's me, and we're going to talk about mental health maintenance. Yeah. We're going to talk about PTSD. We're going to talk yep. about child sexual abuse. We're going to talk about... <laughs> All the really violence. uncomfortable things that nobody wants to talk about. We're going to talk about them right now. <laughs> and I'm like, hey, we're going to talk about these things. And I'm all, like, smiling and, you know, because, yeah. because when you save people, when you get people through it, the results are phenomenal. So Absolutely. yes, we're talking about nasty, dirty topics that nobody wants to hear about and everybody wants to pretend aren't happening. But the flip side of that is what happens on the other side. Those messages that you get that I wouldn't be here without you. Thank mm -hmm. you so much for showing me that I'm not alone. Thank you for helping me speak. <laughs> Thank you for listening or hearing me and, and not closing off when I said something uncomfortable. So... Yeah, it's very important to have loudmouths like us who <laughs> don't mind making people uncomfortable. Yeah, it is. It is. It's a gift. <laughs> Truly. <laughs> oh my gosh! Well, I know that Chelsea is a phenomenal baker and can do some really cute stuff. So if you happen to be in her area. And it needs something custom done. What is the name of your business? Uh, Sugar Coated by Chelsea. So All look her word. up. Sugar Coated. <laughs> yeah, look me up on Facebook. I have, t and I also have TikTok. Um, very new to that because I am way too old for this technology thing, but I'm learning. <laughs> so. <laughs> so, yep, hook up with her. Lemon yeah. blueberry, lemon blueberry. Yes, and anytime you come to town, <laughs> I'm hitting you up with some lemon blueberry, and we're going to get some coffee and hang out. <laughs> Anything else you would want to tell everybody out there? Um, no, if you are 
um, a victim of any sort and you feel like the world is still turning and you're stuck in one spot, just hold tight um, and reach out to people like Krista or even um, join a support group in your area on Facebook or join one that's um, larger and you can post anonymously, but just batten down the hatches and reach out to people and remember that you are not alone and lots of people feel like the world is still spinning and they're stuck in their trauma and it's never going to end. And I'm here to tell you that it does end. You just have to work for it. Um, and I know that sucks that you should have to put in the work when somebody else or something else caused the problem, but that's life and it does get better. Thank you so much for being here tonight. And I just love you. I love you too. <laughs> I love watching you just flourish. <laughs> Your poster are always amazing. Thank you. So you have an amazing night. And Thank everybody you. out there. <laughs> yes. Also have an amazing night. Yes. All right. Talk yes. to you all later. Bye.